Hello, I am Joel McLeod. I'm Roland Tanner. And welcome back to the 905 Roundup, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, it's Actually, I think it's been a while since you and I have done one of these things, Roland, so we might be a bit rusty, but none the, none the worse for wear. Um, looking around the, the 905 this, this week, there's a, of course, a uh, funky stuff happening in Hamilton. Uh, we got some, we're going to the other side of the 905, all the way to Durham and uh, Darlington uh, for some interesting news there. And then lastly, we're going up to Ottawa for some federal, uh, federal news. But starting us off, uh, looking at Hamilton City Council, uh, a recent police budget meeting uh, where they were asking for public insight into the uh, upcoming pu- uh, police budget was basically shut down. What do you got, Roland? Yeah, so, I mean, it was uh, protesters turned up and uh, attended the meeting. Um, and my understanding, I mean, I, I didn't watch the proceedings Um uh, but my understanding is from from the various reports that uh, you know it, the the protesters kind of um, interfered with 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 the with the proceedings, um, and you know, I'm not necessarily having a go at them for that. I'm just saying that it was the meeting was not able to to carry on as planned as a result of of the protests. Um, I think you know there was various chanting. There were was attempts to get uh, councillors on the floor to commit to vote against the increase to the police budget, um, and you know, various sort of statements and backwards and forwards. Um, and I guess uh, the question is, I mean, there's been a number of sort of statements today from councillors, including the mayor, um, basically saying, you know, this isn't the way to go about things. Um, uh, and there was quite a bit of pushback um, from members of the public or from the members of the public who comment about these things on Twitter um, saying, you know, kind of this is a normal part of a democratic process and, you know, don't be so sort of narrow-minded and let the protesters do their thing. Um, I'm kind of caught between a rock and a hard place in this one. I, don't, I mean, I think... You know, I absolutely have sympathy with the idea of of just you know the the continual never ending increases in police budgets that tend to go through councils on the nod pretty much. Um, you know, the budgets are set by the police services board and then they're voted on by council. And let's just say, uh, I don't think it's particularly normal or, or common for for a for a council or a regional council or or, or any level of council to vote against those increases. Um, for whatever reason, um, I, I suspect if they did, there might be problems. And, you know, it's one of those powers that maybe cities kind of have, but kind of don't have. Um, but anyway, you know, in theory, the, the, the council can say, we don't want to increase this budget and the budget won't be, won't increase. Um, I kind of felt just from reading the accounts, um, again, very sympathetic to the point of not increasing the budget. Um, the way that this protest happened, I kind of feel I do have some sympathy for the point of view of the councillors, which is like, well, you, it wasn't as if the protesters came in and allowed the councillors to have a debate. And then it became clear which way the vote was going to go. And at that point, they said, no, this is outrageous. You shouldn't be supporting this. It kind of 
protests kind of started with from the perspective of, of preventing uh, debate and preventing conversation, just saying, do what we say. And that's kind of a funny thing to say in, in, in a democratic forum, to, you know. And I know someone said this point on, on Twitter, and I think um, Laura Babcock kind of said, you know, you know, it's kind of whataboutism. And I'm not sure if it is whataboutism if you say that, you know, if I suspect I know how I would feel if it was a cause I was less sympathetic to that was doing a protest in a similar way and disrupting the mm -hmm. the, the process of, of council's <clears throat> business. I suspect I would think they were jerks and I would say, kick the bums out. Um, I'm not going to, you know, I, just because I'm sympathetic with this cause, why should my reaction be any different? Um, you know, it's saying it, that they should, I think some of the statements were, it's like, you, you, you know, you should be representing us, you, you know, yeah. Like, well, councillors do represent the public. Uh, they represent all voters and whether we like that or not, not all voters are against increasing police budgets. Um, we, you know, well, the unfortunate I, I fact think, of democracy is you don't always get your way, but, you know, but I think that's what this process demonstrates. It's kind of the, the first of municipal government at the moment is that you know you, the the idea behind this is okay you throw open the doors to uh the public to come in and petition your municipal government to vote one way or the other um the, the reality is the majority of the people at that tape at the council table have already made up their minds like they they would have been told uh by city staff, presumably here's the budget. This is the reasoning behind certain items in the budget. If they're not going in blind and, and ignorant to the situation, they they would have, if they were smart, they would have read up on on the issue. They would have heard from constituents, but the decision has already been made, which I agree. Like you do have to let the process kind of unfold, but I also kind of sympathize with the protesters is that it's a, it's a farce in their mind that they come in and they say, well, how do... How do we in how do we influence change on this uh, on this uh, matter? But that being and keep in mind, there are a number of new councilors on this council that were elected as kind of those disruptors. There that that grassroots protest movement elected a number of councilors to the to the council with this exact thing in mind. Um, right now, uh, Cameron Crutch. Uh, has come out publicly saying that he supports defunding the police uh, uh, based on his personal experience and, and, and what he's here from his supporters. Well, I think, he, I think he's, I don't know if he, I don't know if I use those exact words, but certainly no, he's he come out to, saying he um, wouldn't support the increase in budget uh, just to be more sort of, you know, fair enough. I, I, I'll, 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 I'll concede that, that point, but again, like it, but the, this is a, this, the public has been emboldened because they elected they elected a number of councillors who are kind of a, a rabble rouser, disruptor. We're going to change the way the status quo. This is a perfect instance where they want to see that status quo changed. I don't think they have a lot of faith in the in the system because the system hasn't allowed them to express themselves uh, effectively or, or fairly. The it's it was so easy for the previous councils. To basically ignore their their whims and their their concerns at the table, and how many times were were meetings just held outright in uh, for in camera sessions, be, and public inquiry was not permitted at all. So 
that's kind of the, this is the result of it is when people get a chance to voice their concern, they'll take advantage of it. Did they go too far? I'm going to say yes, mostly because ultimately the the meeting didn't nothing happened. The 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 vote will still happen. Um, they, it might sound like oh they got a win. They really didn't. They just pro, postponed it to another date. And if they shut down that meeting, they'll postpone the meeting to another date. Like the the, the vote will happen. And what eventually happens is the public are shut out of the meeting. Um, yes. And, and that's a shame when that happens. I mean, as, as the, so as I say, I mean, delegation is, is a funny business. Um, I'd say on the whole, I'd rather the delegation continues to exist than doesn't continue to exist, but it, but it is a bit of a farce quite often. Um, you know, and, and there are no, I get what it is to be an activist um, and you win no prizes by, by playing by the rules when you're an activist. Um, if you know, if you're, you're, you know, um, and I should put it out, this is, this was a, a peaceful protest. Um, it wasn't, mm-hmm. you know, this is mm-hmm. no January the 6th kind of business. This is, but it was a disruptive peaceful process uh, and intentionally so. Um, and I think it's, it's fair to, to make that distinction. Um, uh, I also think we, we should point out that just, you know, today um, uh, there's an article in the CBC about the Hamilton police officer, acting Sergeant Brian Wren, who reportedly stomped and kicked Patrick Tomchuk's head 13 times. Um, and he's um, uh, currently um, in front of uh, uh, the courts on, on that cause. And, you know, and, and it's like, I, I think it is completely appropriate to, to mention that kind of context when we're seeing the the, the movement uh, against just never-ending increases to police budgets. Um, however, I don't know. However, you know, it, it, I'm kind of caught trying to say, have both sides of this argument at once, and I appreciate that I can't actually do that. I think I would have liked to have seen uh, more sort of faith in letting the councillors screw up before you start protesting. Yeah. Um, I think they've only got a chance to get that far. It's just like, do what we say. And you know, when people start going into um, any political institution, any democratic institution and saying, do what we say, I kind of go, yeah, not really too keen on that. <laughs> I, I, want, I want the elected people to do what the elected people are supposed to do. Um and, and God knows, I don't have a lot of faith in in that right. system, but it's the best system we've got, you know. At some at some point, we're, we're in a democracy, and at some point, you have to turn over your faith and your trust in the system to the people that you that you elected. I know a lot of these individuals are putting their support and their faith behind a number of councils councillors on the around the table. At some point, you have to let the let the play happen. And see where it goes. Uh, you know, trying to hold the council hostage until they vote the way they want. Um, you're right; it'll it'll end up going to an in-camera session to avoid uh, disruptions and whatnot. And and that will be that. What you want to do is let this happen in in daylight in this in this in the spotlight. That way, you know exactly who is still on your side and who is. And, and who is going to to quiver, or who who might have just outright lied to earn your support? Like you've got to let these counselors say their do their thing, and see see where they are. You 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 might be heartbroken. I admit it. 
It happens all the time, unfortunately. That's why we have a democracy. That's why we have elections. You elect them out. But you have to let the process happen. And this is, the, this is like, to me, this was like the first litmus test. This is the first real uh, test of that new council to see like, where do these people's loyalties lie? And how, how, how closely are they listening to the public uh, to get a sense of it? You have to let the vote happen at some point. And you, you, either trust, you either trust in the system or you don't, in which case, then why are you even at City Hall? Yeah, uh, and well, like I say, I I, I have my doubts that uh, that a vote by a city council is really ultimately what decides what a police budget is. Um, but that's for another no, day. But but you, you but you know who your where the councillors stand on the issue. You know, mm-hmm. are they are they going to uh, fold like a cheap suit uh, and and cater to other pressure, or are they going to stand by through their convictions that got them elected there and say, yeah, I, I'm, I'm voting against it. Um, uh, or, to understand, you know, like you say, this, this was an opportunity. You, you got to let the new council have the opportunity to screw up or, or to vote yeah. the way you don't want, you know, yeah. you don't want them to vote on, on issue X or Y. Um, there are clearly some councillors who are sympathetic to, to not increasing the budget. Um, more councillors than would have been sympathetic before October. Um, whether there's enough, I don't know. Probably not, but um, uh, but certainly it's you know it's a you difference. Gotta, gotta um, let them and, do it. And you know, the leader of the of the protesters was is an elected person themselves. They're a trustee for for Ward Two uh, in the school board in the Hamilton Wentworth School Board. Um, again, you know, well, if, if you find that your job as trustee is getting interrupted by people coming and protesting every week, you, you might sort of see the other side of this, you know, it's like, well, hang on a minute, who's the person with the votes in this room? Is it me mm-hmm. or is it you guys sitting in, in, the, uh, in the crowd there? Now, I don't want to sound like some kind of elitist jackass, but I do believe in the votes part of the deal, ultimately, <laughs> you know, a lot of councillors are assholes, and I'll be the first to say that. Um, but, um, but, you know, even Terry Whitehead had the votes behind him, you know, and you have to actually respect that somewhere along the line. Um, so yeah, if I'm not going to say, I mean, like I say, it was a peaceful protest and peaceful protest and civil disobedience. These are all part of, of our democratic culture, you know? Um, so totally understand that and get it and respect it, but it's, um, you need to put a lot of thought into it before you start, you know, disrupting actual meetings where the democracy is happening, if you see what I mean. Let's take a break from that. And we'll come back with our next, uh, our, our next story. Okay. And we are back. Um, so going, we're going to take a trip to a part of the nine to five. We just don't get to travel to as much as we, uh, as we like to. And that's uh, over to Durham, uh, to Darlington with it, uh, you know, don't say this too often, but I think we have a good news story from the Ford government. Um, so this past month, uh, last year, last month, it should be said that a story uh, that kind of slipped under our radar, but we picked it back up in at the Darlington site, east of Toronto, the in Clarington, Ontario, they're going to they're going to put in what's called a small modular nuclear reactor. 
at the Darlington site, uh, out near Pickering in, uh, in Durham region, uh, basically to, to, I guess, replace the, the aging Darlington plant that's there that was slated to shut down, uh, early in the year. Uh, and this will help greenify our, our electrical grid. Um, all in all, it's, it's a, I think it's a good thing. The, a plan is this new uh, small modular reactor uh, was be Ontario's first nuclear reactor built uh, basically in a generation, according to the news release. Uh, and it's estimated that it's going to deliver about 300 megawatts of electricity, which is about enough to power about 300,000 uh, homes uh, in Ontario. Uh, right now, the group that is behind the, the construction of this project is the uh, Ontario Power Generation, GE Hitachi Nuclear Energy, SNC Lavalin Group, and uh, Acon Group uh, will be the team to build this with uh, slated to be uh, completed by late 2028. Um, I'm, I'm in favor of this. I think that the nuclear energy has always kind of been a staple of Ontario's green greenifying the, the electrical, uh, electrical grid. I, at least I seem to remember it back uh, when McGinty was still, uh, was in Premier and he brought in, everybody was talking about him bringing in uh, the windmills and the solar pa panels that was in the microfit program. And that was a whole uproar. Remember all the, the birds that were going to be slaughtered by the, the windmills. <laughs> um, but in that plan to shut down the coal fire plants, bringing green electricity to power our homes and, and, economy part of it was eventually including nuclear power so I'm glad to see Doug Ford following kind of through on that plan and uh and and committing to this yeah I guess I guess I think it's broadly good too I mean when you know talk about controversial issues I mean issues that people have strong opinions about uh police and, and nuclear power you know um you know probably lose half our audience on these two um but um yeah i mean i i don't see a way around nuclear power at the moment um i mean the, the fair point well made that if we're going to have electric cars which mm -hmm. i guess we are you know i um then um, there's a hell of a lot of electricity that that's going to be needed to power those those cars and that's not going to come from the existing infrastructure um i mean i mean it kind of makes the point that you know the idea that, that electric cars solve all the problems is um uh you know not entirely not not even a little bit accurate um it's just shifting the problem somewhere else there's no perfect source of power is there i mean um uh, someone will object to everything pretty much. Um, and, you know, it's kind of, it is somewhat ironic that I suspect this story about a new generation of nuclear uh, power um, generation will attract a tiny fraction of the notice that, that wind power did. Um, mm -hmm. So people get a, more, a lot more upset about, you know, their view of a hill um, than, because, um, uh, I'm basically a supporter of nuclear power, but at the same time, you know, if it goes wrong, boy, does it go wrong. You know, um, <laughs> the, the stakes are the highest. Well, we've all, we've all seen Chernobyl. Uh, yeah. But, it, um, but I, you know, I, but here, here's, here's the thing. Like in Canada, we 
we know nuclear power. Like we, I know people like to think, oh, the Canadian government, Canadian are going to screw this up because that's just what we do. We don't. Um, like we're, we're, before Stephen Harper sold it off, the Can-Do nuclear reactor was kind of the go-to model of nuclear reactors on the, on the market. Like, granted, it was only governments who could buy the thing, but it was quite. It had a reputation of being efficient, reliable, and safe to operate. And so, if you're a first world country looking to uh, uh, buy uh, a nuclear reactor, the Can-Do nuclear reactor was kind of the the go-to staple. It was reliable. I'm confident that this will work. What my concern is, is um, this this has this the sniffings of a potential gas plant scandal all over again for the Tories. Uh, you know, what, what was this say that history doesn't repeat itself, but it often rhymes? Like that... You point out like you, you're not anticipating anybody really being opposed to this. That's quite possibly true. This might go fly completely under the radar for a good number of, of years. However, so did the gas plants until an election season when they got mysteriously moved. The danger, the danger of this happening, because we we've seen Doug Ford fold like a cheap suit when the pressure is on. If and by the next and these aren't being going to be completed until 2028. So there's still another election cycle between here and and then uh, to to push these things out of Darlington or, and move them either somewhere else or cancel them altogether. Um, I'm just I, I'm wait so wait and see. I know there's a lot of ifs and there's a lot of things moving on the board, but you know this. I guess that's my concern is that this is going to all end up being for naught. Um, because this government has a reputation, like, again, I've said this before on this podcast, this government does not have a reputation of getting any wins. They don't, they lay out plans and they suck at execution. And I would really like to see them win on this one. I really would. I really do want them to see the, to execute this, bring it in on budget and on time or relatively close to it. To it. My concern is this government just doesn't have the, the reputation and that I don't have the confidence that they're going to get this through, uh, uh, past forget on time or on budget. I just don't, my concerns are just not going through the finish line. Um, well, we'll see. Yeah. I mean, I guess it comes back to that point about the, the 905 region being where elections are won and lost. Um, yeah, the whole right. gas plant scandal. I mean, there was there was no mystery about it. Uh, it, it was completely out in the open as mm -hmm. to why those gas plants were cancelled, and it was because of public opposition. And you know, um, it wasn't it wasn't like the government hired that fact. They were like, yeah, the public doesn't want them. Uh, we agree. Um, we don't actually need them anymore. There's been a massive global downturn. Yep. Let's not build them, or let's not build one of them, and let's move the other one. Right. Um, uh, again, it's like that's democracy, right? Um, but you know whatever uh the i suspect the fact that the people of darlington have been living next to a nuclear power station a nuclear power plant for the last half century or whatever right um means that there'll be less opposition and that but we'll see. i guess time will tell time will tell time, it is time will tell. all those seats are potentially marginal in 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 any kind of election where the opposition can put up a decent leader 
and we shall uh, wait and see about uh, what time we'll tell on that one. Uh, our last story for the for the episode, folks. Uh, well, it, we've been wanting to do a story on healthcare for some time now, and it, we've been banging our heads against the wall um, to find somebody of credible note to come on and kind of explain what the heck is going on in our hospitals. Uh, hopefully, things are going to be getting better uh, because uh, today, uh, February 7th, uh, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau pitched a 10-year healthcare deal with a total of uh, just hang on here, folks, 196.1 billion, that's billion with a B, dollars on healthcare for the next decade. And that includes $46.2 billion in new spending on top of uh, funds already budgeted uh, for that. At least that's what the CBC is reporting here. Um, of course, the, the provinces are hemming and humming about this and, and you know, it's, it's not enough or, 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 or whatnot. Part of the conditions, I believe, uh, on this one is that the federal government wants data on on our healthcare system. They want to be able to see a where this money is going and if it's doing what it's supposed to be doing. Um, which is something that I'm a little surprised that it's not like we don't actually have any national standards in terms of healthcare outcomes. And are we getting a, a good ROI on the tax dollars that we're spending on healthcare? I, 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 with the current trajectory of where majority of the conservative governments are are focused in regards to healthcare in this province, namely the privatization of our healthcare system, um. I'm kind of hoping that the feds are going to do a little bit more of a, a hard line in the sand and say, this is it. If you want, if you want the money for healthcare, this is it. And I think the premiers would be fools to refuse this money. And this is a 10 year deal. This is, this is it. Like you, you, this will help hopefully help solve it. And we learn where we're, where we're going wrong on delivery and outcomes. But I, I, this is it. Like I don't, I don't know what the premiers want other than Ottawa just cutting them a blank check. Uh, then that's exactly what they want. Uh, but they, like I don't, I don't care for that because here's the thing: you cut Doug Ford a blank check, he goes to start building Highway 413 uh, north of Toronto. I mean, it's it's, it's the hypocrisy of of our system writ large um, that you know the the the, the mainly conservative premiers of, of Canada um, are all about fiscal responsibility until it comes to taking money from the from the federal government, at which mm -hmm. point they're the biggest subsidy junkies on the planet and they always want more. Um, you know, it's, it's, I mean, I guess I understand why that is, what else are they supposed to do? Um, but yeah, I mean, the whole, the whole um, core of this thing um, since, you know, from the last, election was that this negotiation or funding was going to happen and that the, the federal government was going to try and extract so, you know a few strings to this thing because uh, basically how it is right now is like okay we'll give you this amount of money do what you like with it and you can you know you can spend it on on partying and and uh, uh, expensive bottles of champagne as far as the federal government is concerned because there's no checks and balances kind of really involved um, and it absolutely should do. And the, the provinces are going to moan 
if the federal government says, well, here's healthcare funding, uh, we'd really like it if you actually spelt it, spent it on healthcare, um, which seems a pretty reasonable request to me. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it, you know, what am I saying here other than great, more money? Uh, do I trust the provinces, certainly the province of uh, Ontario? To spend that money wisely, or even remotely close to the to the thing that the, the money is meant to be meant to be spent on, nope. Um, you know, basically, there were billions of dollars spent during the during the COVID nineteen um, in twenty twenty in particular mm-hmm. that just didn't get to where it was supposed to go. Um, well, as far a, as I there can there see, a, yeah. I mean, that was the case of yeah, like there's no there was no strings on that money, most because I think the nature of the pandemic and the rush to get money out to save the economy after shutting down, uh, you know, the, the feds are just, we're making this up literally as we go. There is no pro there's no pandemic spending program that you just activate. It's we, they're making it up on the fly and pumping out billions of dollars into the economy. So yeah, provinces got all this money, no strings attached. They loved it. They could funnel it to, or finding out now that it, a lot of it went to just private, enterprises or, or people close to the powers that be at least here in Ontario for that money. And I think the, the, you know, the feds kind of learned the lesson and said, okay, this time around though, we need to know where this money's going. What I'm, what I'll be honest, what I'm kind of thankful for is at the federal level, getting some data that will inform future spending that, and, and maybe just start setting some benchmarks that, yeah, instead of just saying, oh, we're trying to, we're going to cut wait times, which is a, amorphous statement in itself like what, what what does that mean that we're going to cut wait times like should we not have should we not try to aim for just a standard wait time metric like you 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 can't no no longer than a month to get hip or knee surgery or, or whatever have you it's it's this amorphous talking point healthcare policy that we've been relying on for an, as long as i've been alive and I'm kind of like I'm 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 give credit to Trudeau where it's due to say no we're going to start actually having some metrics and develop clear standards to say you know who actually which province is actually delivering the best healthcare is it like is it the Maritimes is it Quebec is it hell hell maybe maybe Ontario and Alberta have it right with this privatization model maybe it is the best model model to pursue and we just need to get the data to prove it but. I don't understand the objection to it because if it proves your point, then you're all for it. The objection is that it, that it puts constraints on the province's ability to do what the hell they want. Mm-hmm. Uh, and obviously they're going to, I guess, obviously they're going to object to that. I think it's absolutely the way it should work. I mean, it, you know, the, the federal government hands out money to the provinces. Um, you know, basically the federal government's, job is to kind of hand out money to the provinces you know with the exception of the of the military um and foreign policy and a relatively you know uh, indigenous uh, uh matters mm-hmm. the federal government doesn't have that many things that it actually does itself um oh, seems that way to me listen you know um so an awful lot of what the federal government does is is about redirecting money from federal coffers to provincial coffers um and, and i think that yeah, if, if that's the way you want to do it then for god's sake put some strings on it because right now it's like you know it seems ridiculous to me that that 
the federal government bails out conservative uh, governments for running down healthcare, for cutting, you know, cutting their taxes or putting less money into healthcare on their end. And then the federal government comes in and says, okay, well, look, your healthcare system isn't working. So here's another 60 billion or however many billion it was to sort it out. And the promise is, oh yeah, thanks very much. From the taxpayer's point of view, what the hell does it make? I mean, it's like, what you've done is upload the costs from one part of your tax bill to another part. Mm -hmm. Uh, meanwhile, the you know the the federal government is bailing out these you know feckless bums in the provinces who are destroying, doing everything they can to destroy healthcare, destroy education, destroy anything that that most of us hold dear. Um, and it's like it's a it's a crummy deal, uh, and I'm not really sure why the why the federal government wants to play along with it, other than I guess it's their job. It, well, I mean, it's part of like the Canada Health Act is just at federal standard. It, it, ever since that, the Federal Health Act, the uh, the federal government really has been kind of the bankroll for the entire healthcare system. The fact that the provinces kind of administer it, it's kind of a lurk, in my opinion. Like that, if the if Doug Ford turns away this deal, if he says I'm backing out of the Ontario's portion of this $196 billion 10-year deal. What's he going to do? Like, wh- wh- where's the alternative? Is he going to f- hand it over to Galen Weston to uh, to charge us? Because I'm pretty sure you'd find some organization taking that whole thing to court and say that's a violation of, uh, of the Health Act uh, right off the bat. Um, and I think if he did that, Doug Ford's chance for a third term for Doug Ford should be toast, but well, that remains to be seen in terms of what opposition we have coming forward uh, in the next few years. It, ultimately, I think they'll take this deal. They're going to have to. They, they don't have any other option. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, this is the way politics works in Canada. I find it frustrating and annoying mm-hmm. um, to see, you know, two conservative premiers. Uh, um, just looking at the CBC article here, one of whom is, is Doug Ford, basically saying it's not enough money. It's not enough money. Right. Uh, you know the hypocrisy, the, the sheer brass neck of it, for them to 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 come out with that um, when you know if the boot was on the other foot, they would not be you know doing it. It's, it's a ridiculous system. I, I feel like that you know if with the money that that the if the federal government wants to pay for healthcare, then then God damn it! The federal government should provide the healthcare. Um, if if it's down to the provinces to provide the healthcare, then it should be through the provincial taxes that the healthcare is paid for. Let people be accountable for what they're doing, um, because this way is just stupid. It's 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 particularly stupid for the federal government, and it but it also leaves us as the people who use the system at the whim of of this crazy system. Let's well, see. Here's um, a problem with Doug Ford saying it's not enough money. Um, it's not enough money because he can't charge like he, he, all these private nursing clinics, right? That are are that he's not relying on to fix the gaps in our our staffing problems in our hospitals. They cost a fortune. That you, you can't be forking over public coffers to that indefinitely. It's it's not going to work. Um, and that's why he needs more money. 
Like he needs more money to be able to pay those all those staffing agencies that are owned by Mike Harris's wife uh, to pay them the exorbitant fees that they're charging now to the province. That was supposed to be a temporary fix, but it's, he it looks like they're quickly wanting to turn that into like the go to standard for this province. Whereas it would be far more cheaper, far more efficient, and far more ethical just to say, no, just pay the nurses fairly right out of the public public purse and put, you know, make sure that all of our hospitals and ERs and operating rooms are staffed up as they're supposed to be. Hey, I mean, I literally just think the federal government should be in, shouldn't be in the business of bailing out bad provincial governments. It's stupid. It's 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 the it's the behavior of of enablers. Um, let, well, let the provinces, you know, if the provinces aren't uh, managing healthcare properly, which they're not, um, then let them bloody hang on that on that problem. Uh, and if the federal government feels the need to, to pay for healthcare, then the federal government should be bloody running it. I mean, it's not going to happen. I'm saying something that isn't going to happen. Well, uh, like, and, and no one would, would you know. It's it, not going to happen because in four years' time, if we're, we're stuck with Ford for, for the next four years, we have to... If you're going to say let's hang them out to dry on on healthcare, we can in four years, but in those that's going to be a long four years if we have people needing urgent treatment and care, and they can't get it because no, just pass pass an act turning healthcare into 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 a federal jurisdiction. I don't know, you can't even do that. Nope, can't do I'm that. I'm sure it's in the damn constitution. Yep. Well, once again, the constitution comes in to save us all, uh, like it never does. Um, it's it's you know. Constitutions are a pain in the ass, I have to say. Because <laughs> every damn mistake made in 1860 or whatever the hell it was, uh, it, you know, we're stuck with forever. Things that they didn't even think about properly at the time that they wrote it, uh, we, we're stuck with. Um, I, I just think, if you, you know, why is the federal, why, if it's a provincial responsibility, is the federal government paying for it? I don't get that. But the provinces do, deal with it. I'm probably starting to sound like a Tory now. You are. Like the, a, <laughs> well, it's because the because uh, if that was the case, the pro, the right, I'm getting into poli sci uh, 101. Yeah. Uh, with the it basically comes down to uh, your your people did this to us wrong. <laughs> oh right, it's all the British's fault. It's, it's the British okay. fault. Is basically yeah. what it comes down to. You you didn't trust that. You don't want us to get uppity. So let's have you. All that's divide and conquer, like divide and cool. Yeah, no, well, let's, that's let's let's do to Canada what they did to India and keep the colonies in line because they didn't want us to get uppity and do a whole American revolution on them again. So that's yeah. basically where, why we're why we have things the way we are. Well, uh, as I've, I'm yet to go to a country where I, I didn't feel the need to apologize <laughs> nope, for that's something your... that my, my country at birth had done. So, um, I'm glad to have include canada on that list oh yeah all right folks let's call it a night uh on that one thanks very much for listening we'll be back next week bye-bye bye that's it for this episode of the 905er thank you for listening as always you can send us your feedback thoughts and concerns or ideas for future episodes to our email info at 905er.ca we'd love to hear from you you can help us keep the 905er going by financially supporting us through patreon as well as paypal visit us at 905er.ca and click on the support tab as well links are in the show notes for your convenience 
Lastly, you can find us on social media. Search for the underscore 905er on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. So long for now. See you next time. the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app.